how about if it's a person that takes way too many pauses and is just slow and blah 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 pause? I'm like, oh my god, just spit it out already. What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> spit it out already. <laughs> Thank God we have a Are you the type of person that listens in on other people's conversations in restaurants? Do you want to chat but don't feel like calling anyone right now? If so, you've come to the right place. Join us on Chat Buffet and listen in as two friends shoot the breeze. Chat Buffet, food for thought, not your belly. Hello? Hi, Joe. Yo, baby, what's up? Hello, listeners. Welcome to Chat Buffet. What would you like to chat about today, Asha? So we're talking, and I was about to talk over you, but I thought, well, no, I shouldn't be doing that. That wouldn't be very nice. Which made me think, oh, do you know anybody that is a sentence finisher? You know who I'm talking about? You know the you. kind of people? You do it all the time. <laughs> who are you trying to kid? You cut me I off do constantly. Not. I do not. I don't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a New York thing, isn't it? <laughs> I thought that's the way normal conversations go. <laughs> My Don't God. take your time. I'm going to fill in for you. <laughs> Between you and my wife and your other friend, Chi, that's, when you guys all arrive at our house, I'm scheduling some away time. I'm taking the dog and I'm going, because I can't get a word in edgewise the whole weekend. I thought that's the normal way to talk. If, <laughs> if something is in your brain and you need to do a data dump, you just do. <laughs> Uh, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm talking about like actually when you're telling the story yeah. and you pause for a moment and then someone will fill in the blank for you. In fact, my mother is notorious for doing things like that. When I was a kid, she would never let me get to the punchline. Uh, I would come home from school. I'd have a story and I would start sharing the story. And before I could even finish the story, she'd fill in with her own ending and her ending was like something crazy that everyone would laugh about. And then by then, my punchline sounded stupid and and <laughs> and lame. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to do that a lot. And I'm trying to cut down on that. Because if you're if you're doing that, you're not really listening to the person who's talking a hundred percent. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's just so, impolite. I'm curious, when someone does that to you, how does that make you feel when someone finishes your sentence? Slighted. Slighted. Yeah, it makes me feel like they're not really listening to me. To a certain extent, it's just disrespectful. There's two different things, though. If you're telling a joke and you're getting to the punchline, I think that's that's really rude, I think, yeah. to try and finish off their joke and, and jump in with your own thing. If it's a story and you're struggling for a word, then I might suggest a word. So to me, it's just a suggestion. That's okay. What I don't like, you know, a pet peeve of mine is when you're, you're talking to someone and in the middle of your sentence, they say, wow, look at that bird. I've never seen this tree before or, or something like that. And, I, and that I find disrespectful. At that point, I will just stop the story. They'll say something along the lines of, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What were you saying? I, I don't remember what I was saying, do you? But you know what? Some people are so unaware of themselves doing that that they don't even go back and apologize. I remember one group, and I don't remember what group I was with, but I started a story about five times. Oh. And I said, going back, going back. You know, like uh, I'm, I'm trying to do it in a polite way, but it was just very rude. And right. I thought everyone was kind of in that own their own mode of thinking or behaving. I wonder if there's some cultural... Um, piece to that too. Like 
I know in this society, I think that's very rude. I wonder if in other societies that that's a normal thing to do, where everyone kind of talks over each other type of thing. Maybe. Could have something to do with the family you were raised in. I have a friend who I've tried to learn from. He's a, a media spokesperson. He's got his own television show. And when we get together, if I let my New York mannerisms slip out and speak while he speaks, he'll just stop. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll make it a visual thing, like he'll make it like a body language thing. That's right. Right. That's right. And, right. And, and I could tell he's miffed by that. So I've, I've since, especially in dealing with him, let try and let him complete full sentences before I speak. I've well, it's a learning experience, right? Yeah. I also had While a kid... I just cut you off just now. <laughs> <laughs> I also had a kid who I would do that. And he was younger than me back when working in New York some 40 years ago. And I would say something like talk over him rudely. And he would say, excuse me, excuse me. And he wouldn't let me finish what I had to say because he was in the middle of something. Oh, yeah. You hear politicians or newscasters, especially nowadays when you watch any of those broadcast or cable network news, they will not let you. It's, it's almost like a put down on who they are if they let someone else jump in they will do that they will they will stop the conversation they will keep on and actually even when you watch um the politicians like right. if it's a senate chamber or something like that and they're talking they will stop you from lawyers are really known for that too they will not right. let you interrupt them well if you're, um, if you're asking them a question they you should offer them the respect of letting them finish their sentence, to finish their answer. Okay, wait a second though. How about if it's a person that takes way too many pauses and is just slow and blah, 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 or pause. I mean like, oh my God, just spit it out already. What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> spit it out already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we edit these segments. <laughs> Cut out all the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, okay, this uh, is kind of um, related to that same topic, not necessarily a sentence finisher, but how about people that come in and join a conversation and then tries to take over that conversation? Like if you and I are talking and a third person comes in and we're in the middle of mm -hmm. like this deep, con I don't mean like it's got to be like a, you know, some kind of like serious conversation, but we're talking about something. They come in and they just jump right in. I find that very frustrating. I don't, that to me is like personally offensive, if you ask me. Well, it could be that someone just found what you were talking about to be really interesting and wanted to add to it. But do you know how many people have done that? I, mm. I don't know like if that's very common or not. There's some people that recurrently do that. Mm. I, I, it reminds me of something that's not really an exact fit for that. It reminds me of something that happened to me in business a few years ago. I worked with a guy who was a thief, really. Oh. He's a fellow salesperson and he would steal sales from the other people on his own team. He would post Oh my gosh. Them. Yeah, he was known for this. Our boss just loved him. I wish I had 20 of him on. Oh no. He wasn't respected in the, in the industry. Uh, people knew him as kind of a ne'er-do-well, don't turn your back on this guy. I was working a show with him once and the son of a gun was talking on his phone constantly. He had the, 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 the earphones in. He was mm -hmm. sending emails from the showroom floor. And I'm over there pressing the flesh. I'm talking to people. And I'm, I'm doing all the, the work that yeah, you're yeah. doing the show. And I had this guy came up. Hi, can I help you? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to buy two of your $50,000 cameras. 
And the guy immediately took his earphones out, put his, closed his laptop, got up, came around to the other side of the table and began elbowing me away <gasps> from, uh, and starting the conversation. Oh, and, no, no, no. And took that guy, I swore I came close to violence on this little guy. Oh I, my gosh. I, I was, I was going to hit him. But oh my gosh. That's the kind of guy he was. I'll always remember that. Uh, he was, it was so utterly offensive. He wound up getting that sale, it cost me a couple hundred dollars in commissions. Yeah, sure, sure. That's not nice at all. I'm just talking about, I mean, this is money in your pocket. That's, that's a whole different story. But even when just someone jumps into my conversation and tries to take it over, I feel like I'm, I was right in the middle of a good conversation. I just sometimes step away from those situations. And it's really interesting because that third party that came in does not seem to be able to continue the conversation. So next thing I know, I look back over and they're both just standing there with nothing to say to each other. Uh -huh. It's like, so you just jumped into my conversation, stopped me from being able to continue and then killed it. <laughs> was it a good friend? No. <laughs> oh, so it's not like you can go back and, uh, to them and say, hey, bye. No, 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 no. I could care less. <laughs> I'll just go somewhere else and start another conversation. <laughs> hey, on another topic, though, I have a question for you. This is kind of a, a little bit different. It's, it's about businesses these days. What do you think about the responsibility a CEO has to their company, their business in terms of their image? See, nowadays, the CEO of a company becomes a public figure. Anything that they do, even in their personal life, kind of reflects on the company. So I don't think it used to be like that. Like if, if a long time ago I said, who was the president or CEO of IBM? You might not have known that. But nowadays, right. if I say someone like, uh, Jeff Bezos or Meg Whitman or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, like, you know who they are and you know the company that they represent and who they are the CEO of. Mm -hmm. Do they have a responsibility to maintain a certain image because they are in that role as a CEO and to that company? I remember reading a book years ago about a guy who ran an envelope company. It's kind of an odd thing, but he, he talked about not naming the company after yourself and not putting yourself in commercials, because at that point you are the company it has less value if you want to uh, sell the company because the company should be able to stand on their own. These days, people like the spotlight and they want to put their image out there. You see commercials with the CEO and their wife and their grandkids uh, sitting around a pool, that kind of thing. And well, I, was, I don't know. They don't even have to necessarily put their image out there. Like the guy that is the CEO of Starbucks, you know? His image is not on the label. His name is not on there, but people just get to know. And even if you take the famous people like Bill Gates, of course, the company itself is in the news and then he becomes a part of the news. Mark Zuckerberg uh, for Facebook. You can have a Facebook account and not necessarily know who Mark Zuckerberg is, but you do. I don't think in days before it used to be like that. So let's just take that Mark Zuckerberg example, who he is, what he does, the decisions he makes in his personal life whether as a family person or as a dad or whatever, should that impact that company and that business? Whether it should or shouldn't, we've evolved into a society where a lot of people can look at a product that they know, that they like, that they use versus the guy who runs the company and his own beliefs. And because I don't like them, I'm not going to buy his product. Even though whatever he believes in, whatever he supports has nothing to do with this product, has nothing to do 
with the thousands of people who make their living making that and shipping that product out, people are making decisions, political decisions often, by what they buy. Most recently, CEO of Goya Brand Foods came out as a Trump supporter, and there, were, there was outrage. There was people calling for a boycott. Now, I get the fact that you don't, you don't like our president. He says embarrassing things at times, but half the country supports him and half the country doesn't. Does being a CEO of a company mean that you can't voice your political preferences? It doesn't mean you can't. You can, but then you risk losing out on your customer base because you've just expressed an opinion that either I agree or don't agree with. For as many people that boycott, maybe there's as many people that'll say, now I'm only going to buy Goya, right? Right. So right. you're, you're going to uh, both piss off people and have more people like you. I don't know. I think that's just the way of the world right now. I think it's a small village. I think there's just a lot more information out there. So I don't think that you could do anything in isolation anymore. I think who you are as a person uh, becomes your brand. And whether you have um, a podcast or whether you have a news station or whether you're selling a product, I think you're representing something. You have to be careful of who you are. Maybe it's making you a better person. I mean, I know I've heard sports people say, mm -hmm. hey, I didn't sign up to this. I, I signed up to be a basketball player. Why are you now making me a political figure? And everything that I say or do now is affecting me as a sports player. But I, I guess you are. I certainly admire... Uh, I admire singers, actors, athletes, whose political persuasion I have no idea about. From a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Like a CEO who would rather not put that out there. I don't want to do, I don't want to endanger my brand or my company by putting out something that may alienate a good part of my market base. I think it's almost unavoidable in these days, though, honestly. I, you know, if you want to play background uh, as a CEO, you, you, I don't know that you really can. And especially as a sports figure, if you're out there, if you're on a, a baseball field or a basketball court or whatever, you're, wherever you are, people are watching you. They root for you. They mm -hmm. think certain things about you, whether it's true or not. You might be the nicest person in the world, but maybe you're very aggressive on the court. And people are going to hit you for it. You're going to get a reputation one way or another. Maybe your best bet is to be your natural self and be out there. And I guess you're going to be judged based Maybe. on that. I don't know. And then how about those entertainment people, people in Hollywood that um, they have the platform because of their name. Right. Right. Which, so they're, they're allowed. Nothing to do with their, their political. Well, it has nothing to do with their with. career. Yeah. 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 I mean, if they're so a star for of, acting. I'm thinking about people like Clint Eastwood. Oh, I'm thinking about people like, like Cher, like the Dixie Chicks, for instance, who just recently changed their names to the Chicks now. Uh, after they came out as being anti-George W. Bush, a lot of their fan base just walked away from them. And they're, they're probably out there making records, but not on the same level that they used to be. So I guess they have to make adjustments. And, and a lot of it is dependent on the current cultural and political environment. So yeah. you evolve as a person. And, you know, is it fair to be judged on something you did 20 years ago? That's a whole other topic. And we'll just kind of move on from there. But it's just something to consider and kind of figure out. But I think the new generation, for sure, is a lot more astute about issues like that and find it very important to only promote and support companies and people that they believe in and issues 
So it all kind of just ties in together. So whether we like yeah. it or not, I think that's the way that it's going to be moving forward. I know that companies are generally look to shy away from that kind of stuff. At the slightest sound of boycott, they'll cave in. But I kind of wonder how much of it actually translates into a loss of business. If Absolutely, a, it does. If it's just a lot of noise it's, it's by a, a very small minority. Yeah, it's, it's a bottom line figure for sure. So on a new topic, I have to ask you a question. In this time of pandemic, a lot of people are trying to figure out ways or things that they can do with their free time and wanting to do something that, I guess, supports their learning. Do you have uh, any experience or have you taken on any new online learning opportunities during this time? Not conventionally. I have tried learning a few new songs, like really, <laughs> really hard songs. Oh, on, good for from, you. From YouTube lessons. Okay, so it, okay. It'll, it'll take me a while. But, good for uh, you. There are things I do regularly that I learn from YouTube videos. Like anything one person knows, another person can learn from a YouTube video now. Absolutely, then, absolutely. It's just so damn convenient. Yeah, uh, but you know, that's a different mindset and being able to learn that way. And I think that technology nowadays is allowing for that. And they've gotten a lot better at implementing app that'll guide you in that respect. So mm -hmm. I was doing, uh, I was learning Spanish online. Yeah. Right. So um, I, I think they're, they're fairly okay. Yeah. In fact, I'm using the same app that Cora is using, that Duolingo. So and... I should speak to you in Spanish now. <laughs> we'll try that offline. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the things I was doing, but it just reminded me that many, many years ago, back in the late 1980s, in fact, um, I was working at a high tech business company and mm -hmm. they wanted the employees to have the ability to, to take some university classes. Um, it was in engineering and they allowed you to get a master's in engineering by just uh, doing online learning. In those days, that was brand new. It was through the University of Mexico and the company I was working for, yeah. and they would do online classes, engineering classes, and, uh, you know, graduate level engineering classes. But what they would do is that the professor would be up at the board writing these equations up on these large boards, and then they would have someone else kind of doing the video camera. These complex engineering problems could take several boards. You know, they, they go from like one screen, two screen, three screen like that. Obviously, the person that was doing the video did not know engineering because the professor could be writing over here but talking about something over there. And he would still be, the camera would be focused on the wrong screen, on the wrong board. Right. So it was and rather I, rudimentary. I found it, it was very, very frustrating. I found it was very difficult to learn that way. It was convenient because you can finish work and just walk over to a different conference room and take your class that you're getting credit for. But mm -hmm. the whole experience was, to me, not a great learning experience. It was frustrating to try and take notes because if he moved on to somewhere else and didn't give you the chance to write down everything you needed to or wasn't panning in the right direction, the whole thing became very uh, difficult. I, and I'm sure nowadays if you took a class online, it wouldn't be that way. And I think maybe there's more ability to interact with the professor and all that stuff compared to what it was like before, but um, it's, it's just a, surprising it's to me. It's a lot more sophisticated since those days, obviously. Have... Uh, yeah, I'm talking late 80s. And in fact, in those days, that was revolutionary. And that was actually, uh, you know, if I when I told my friends that I was doing this, they're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. That's great that you could mm -hmm. you could do that. You know, this is way before the days of cell phones, even, right? So forget about people I, I think... having... 
I think I was, I was calling on uh, Harvard University and uh, they had a classroom that was set up for that type of learning. And it was really sophisticated. If they had 20 students online, they had 20 different pan tilt cameras oh. that each student could control. So you would see their face underneath the camera and they could pan all around the room to see what on the board the professor was Oh, that's was interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. It was expensive. But, it wouldn't um, be possible in some of these lecture halls where you have like 300 plus students. No, this was a relatively small classroom. But if you, yes. if you think about it, it would it, at that point, there's very little reason to bring the students back into a classroom. If you're doing if you're doing a classroom of, that has 30 kids in it, 30 students, there's no real reason at that point. If they can see everything going on in the room, if you can talk to the professor and make eye contact with them and say, this is what I've got here in, in terms of an answer, what do you think? There's no real reason to have them dragged geographically into that classroom any longer. Sure. And I think it also depends on the subject, you know, depends on what you're learning. Engineering and, of course, lab classes, anything right. at the lab, it's a, you know, you, you can't avoid certain things. So, yeah, I, I have university age kids and, um, you know, obviously they're friends in all situations. So I try to keep up with stuff like that. But I think this new generation, they're just a lot more accustomed to having to learn in that different modes. And they've mm -hmm. done it, not just in university, starting in high school. So I thought it was very interesting. And one of the classes that my uh, boys had in class, what they did is they reversed how the information was being taught. So generally what you would have is going back to your days and my days of going to school. If it was a math class, let's say, the, the teacher would talk about a subject, explain the subject, and then assign you homework problems. So then you got home and you worked on those problems based on the theory that was taught during class. So what they've done instead is you work on the problems during class time so the teacher can help you where you have difficulty, but you watch the lecture when you're at home. Mm. So the concept itself is something like on a video format that you do as a homework assignment. And then when you get back into class, you work out the problems either as a small team or with the teacher kind of like walking around. It was such a reverse way of thinking for me, but it really made sense. It does make sense. Yeah. yeah. So when you need it the most, the professor is there for you. Right. And when it's just a lecture where you're only just listening, basically just listening. And of course, when you come back into class, if you had questions about something you learned in the lecture, you could have either figured it out on your own, like either through Khan Academy or looking it up on your own, or you can actually replay that part if you didn't understand something the teacher said. Mm -hmm. So you have your own modes of learning when you're just taking in the content. And then yeah. when you're trying to apply it through a problem, then you have the ability to either ask a, a fellow student or the, or the teacher. There's so yeah, many more I tools, that was kind of interesting. And tools and methods of, that are available to kids today. I know that's hard to quantify, but I'd like to know if we're putting out smarter kids, if we're, if we're, putting, if we're putting out more. If, I if think we are, we are, but in a different way. What I read was something like um, kids nowadays, because they can move from topic to topic, they're very at adept at um, coming up with new concepts, new ideas, like uh, the pace of change of progression and uh, new, new things being discovered, invented um, is, is going to get better. But the types of things that require more in-depth thinking, 
-hmm. and more serious, like getting, getting, doing a deep dive into something that's probably less. So you're going to, you know, you're, you're sacrificing something, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I think people's personalities are their personalities. If you're the type of person that likes to take deep dives into things, I think you're still going to do that. I think there's still going to be that. But if you want to just really be able to, I think, I think things are going to get discovered at quantum speeds. I kind of wonder if we're putting out a generation of kids who have a short attention span, who don't read books. And so they don't, they basically need a topic. They need a bullet point. They need to make an impact and then they need to move on as opposed to listening to all the foundational learning that went before that. That might be so, but I don't know if there's anything negative about that though. I don't know. I don't know. There, I mean, intuitively, maybe we're both of the similar generation. So I would say we might have a similar opinion about that. Like I like the depth, but maybe that's not where the generation needs to go. Um, speaking of age and generation, I think <laughs> I have a question for you about something else. <laughs> Why do I um, get all the age questions? <laughs> so how old do you think your cells are? Well, I've got the liver of an 80-year-old sea captain, but I'm going to give it back to him after this weekend. <laughs> so there's actually a way you can do a DNA test kit where you can actually find out how old your cells are. Wow. Yeah. And some of these test kits can go up into the couple of hundreds of dollars to find information out like that. But it could be quite interesting, I would think. And these tests not only test your your cells, you can actually get family history on these cells. This is not just like, what are those things like ancestry.com? Yeah, yeah, I don't or, mean, or I don't, me. yeah, yeah, 23. I don't mean things like that. But I thought it was really interesting that some of these test kits that test your cells, you can actually get family history and inherited traits. For example, things like, and I thought this was really, not just things like your eye color. You can say like, okay, that's a recessive trait. That's a dominant right, trait, right. you know, things like that, like genetically things, uh, you know, your face features, things like that. But mm -hmm. what they said is they can actually even test for things like favorite ice cream flavor. Um, yeah, <laughs> very interesting. Like your propensity to like, like different things. But um, the things that might be more useful are things like your cancer risk, uh, whether you're prone to having Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, you know, any kind of genetically passed on type of traits. I'd like to see the science behind that. I'd like to see if, if someone who's never tasted raspberries can be told that raspberry is their favorite and have it, and have it be Have it be on. true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, when you yeah. say they can actually measure the age of individual cells. I don't know about individual, but maybe like a composite. Yeah. I was reading something the other day that talked about how you, of course, came from an egg in your mother's body. When a woman's ovaries are formed while she's in the womb, all of the eggs that she'll ever need in her life are already formed in her ovaries while so a part of you was actually in your grandma's body that's uh, right yeah uh, that's right many years ago that's right and you know um that can lead into a whole philosophical discussion because i tell you I, you gotta you gotta thank your ancestry for everything that you are even people that you don't know right. whether you liked them didn't like them whatever it might be who you are is based on not just 
your own biological parents, but their parents and their parents and their parents. Right. There's an honor that you should be able to give to all those past generations and right. wherever their background was and whatever, you know. I dig genetics and it's come up a lot in my personal story, having found out that I have a couple of half brothers up north of here. Yes. But we are also, of course, the sum of our decisions. We have free will. We can decide what type of person we want to be. So, Joe, I just thought it was really interesting that these DNA kits are available. And who knows where this is going to go in the future and what more we can discover. You have a past where you said you didn't realize, you know, and you discovered a, a part of your family history. Mm -hmm. um, even for myself, you know, my family, my cousins, second cousins, my grandparents are in India. There's a lot about that side of my family that I don't know about because I grew up over here. Nowadays, so many things are genetic. I think it's really important to know on WhatsApp with my extended family. Of course, we don't talk about things like that there, but I think it's interesting. I think I should know, like, did my grandmother have any kinds of diseases? Did my grandfather have diabetes? You know, things like that. I'm not there on a day-to-day -day basis, so I didn't know that. But knowing that those things are genetic, I think it's important to know. Out of curiosity, so, are you prone to spitting into a tube and sending it off to a company? Have you thought about taking a DNA test? I have not, no. Why not? No. Not anything like Ancestry.com or 23 I mean, nothing like that. I know, I know my family's from India. Like you can say like, oh, 10% of you is from here, 50% of you is from there, blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm pretty sure I'm going to come out 100% from India. <laughs> well, and, but who knows? Maybe, maybe there's some, uh, something else there. But, but I don't than... think there's much that would surprise me there. Well, how far can you trace your family? I, mean, I don't know. When you did your thing, how, how many generations did right. it go back to? Depending on the direction, four or five. I think as we move forward, there's going to be a lot more blending of cultures. So I think it's going to be more important moving forward, just like other segments, like whether you're Jewish or Hindu or whatever, they just really believed in like marrying within their own culture. I don't think there's anything that's going to surprise me. I think, you know, I can go back probably five generations and it's all going to be Indian. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, but wouldn't it be cool to find out that perhaps you had a great grandfather who was a sea captain? I don't know that I'd find that out, though, through those tests. Are Maybe you... this new test that I'm talking about with the DNA testing, where they can actually test for things like your favorite ice cream color or something like that. But I don't know if I don't know how far that testing has come and how true that would be. I guess it would be just kind of an interesting thing, but not necessarily useful. And I wonder how much of that, like when you read something like that, is it going to be, okay, so I'm going to hear something like, and suddenly I'm going to start liking raspberry ice cream just because I read it. Yeah. I don't know. I think you know? that's a little, that might be a little bogus. But when I did the Ancestry.com thing, there were people who already fleshed out a large portion of their family tree. Parts of it meshed exactly with mine. And so I got to learn a lot of history that went off on theirs. A lot of, uh, to find out that I had relatives who fought in the Civil War, perhaps, or they were in different businesses. It was just fun. It is fun. So, Joe, although I'm talking to you, maybe I'm even talking to your grandmother and your grandfather. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> They're all around. They're yeah. all around. Ubiquitous. So, Joe, unfortunately, another episode of the Chat Buffet is over for now. Uh, I want to tell you it was great chatting with you. It was great chatting with you. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for decompressing with us today. Remember to share the link with your friends and family and talk about these topics amongst yourselves. See you at the next Chat Buffet, a place where friendly conversation is served up on a regular basis.